Rogers. Hello. How's it hanging, Spike? Chris. And the show is geeking out. And this is the also fantabulous review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We're going to go ahead and post this out as our podcast this week because it is Mother's Day and boy is it a mother. Talking about, <laughs> talking about that movie, man, that was the longest two hours of all time. This is going to be a spoilerific review, so you have been warned. But in, before we begin that, let's talk about some other things that were happening just before we saw this movie. We got to see the previews. Disney actually posted up three movie reviews, or three movie trailers, before Doctor Strange started. Chris, can you remember what they were off the top of your head? Actually, I found out something very particular about yes. trailers. Go right ahead. It's actually the people who uh, work at the theater. Uh -huh. They're the ones that is in charge of what trailers to pick to put in front of the movie. Really? I always thought it was yeah. the release. I always thought it was the distributor who did that. But anyway, we did see three. We actually saw four trailers before the movie, but three of them were for Disney things. It was uh, Jurassic, uh, Jurassic World Park, Park Dominion, Dominion, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Lightyear. Mm -hmm. uh, Avatar 2, the James Cameron movie. Um. What was the other one? Oh, let's see. There was Lightyear. There was... Now, the, the other one was another kind of... Uh, it was another Disney film. Because I know Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, Jurassic whatever the hell... Jurassic Park, whatever the hell <laughs> this is. That's Universal. This is supposed to oh, be Thor. the end of it. Thor. Yes, Thor Love and Thunder. Okay, yes, that's Thor. right. I knew it was a Marvel thing, but I couldn't remember which one. Anyway. So let's start with Jurassic World Part the whatever this is going to be. <laughs> They're getting all the band back together for this one, apparently. Mm, I gave up on Jurassic Park with Jurassic 2, okay? I watched the original. It was good for its time. I watched the sequel. That chased me off of it, and I couldn't care less. I did see the last one. I don't know if I want to see the next, the, the last, this final one, supposedly. One last dip at the trough, which, yeah, like, that's going to happen. <laughs> like, Universal's got any other... Movies find a way. Right. <laughs> so, I saw the trailer. Chris, you're the movie critic. What did you think of the trailer for Jurassic Hoo-Ha? Honestly, I can't wait to actually watch it. To be honest, I, I really can't. It is an interesting idea because you're going to be seeing the, the dinosaurs loose in the real world, especially mm -hmm. getting to see pterodactyls nesting on top of the skyscrapers in New York. That is hilarious. Not nearly as hilarious as when those things poo. Oh, Because birds always poo before they enter the nest. And, well, most bir all birds are derived from dinosaurs. So that ought to be fun. That'll take care of those rents in Manhattan. We'll say that. But... <laughs> so you're looking forward to it. I'm indifferent. Eh. So that gives us a resounding, okay, maybe, between the two of us. Uh, the next one was Light Year. I remember calling it Light Beer. And boy, this seems like it's... Yeah. This is the next Disney Pixar thing. Buzz has 5 o'clock shadow. 
we get to see his his partner and his partner's granddaughter. Spoilers. There's supposed to be 62 years difference between the first half and the second half of the film. Why in the name of sweet Hannah is Disney thinking with this film? Who is this targeted toward? Is this targeted to the people who remember Toy Story and they've grown up so they want their their Buzz Lightyear to grow up too? I don't get it. You're the movie buff, Chris. Come on, talk to me. Why, why would Disney do this to us? I really don't know, to be honest. Nobody asked for this movie. <laughs> Nobody asked for this movie. And also, this is this doesn't look like a movie that children are going to go watch and be like, Oh, this is just like Toy Story. No, it's not. This is a different tone. Gives a whole different tone than what Toy Story actually did. Uh, Toy Story had like a magic to it, you know? It had like this childhood magic that just kept you like, oh, you know, these toys, they come alive. This is like, oh, it's a space adventure, and hey, let's let's make it about Buzz, you know, the true story. Like, I'm not really interested in that at all. Uh, not even the trailer, there's nothing really that stands out that makes you go, ha, ha, ha. No, it doesn't, like, it's... This is the Pixar movie for people who don't understand Pixar movies. Yeah. This is the Pixar movie that is aimed for sci-fi geeks and not children. Yes. This, I'm not going to say this film's going to fall flat on its face. I'm not about to make that prediction. But I see zero excitement for this film. Yeah. Okay, because the sci-fi geeks are not going to care about light beer <laughs> the Toy Story faithful are not going to care about light beer. And I'm just going to call this light beer from now on because that's what it is. It's light beer. This is this really is... This is for kids who think sneaking drinks from their daddy's fridge while, when they're not old enough to legally drink, they think that's cool. They're going to think this movie is cool. And nobody else. So, uh, this is not, I don't think this is going, Disney, somebody at Disney honestly thought this was a good idea for kids, okay? They think this is child appropriate. Uh, and we'll, t we'll actually touch base on this when we get into the Doctor Strange review, and it's coming, I promise. I know we're seven minutes into this, but it's coming, I swear. Are you excited to see Light Beer? No, but you know what they could have done with it? Could have, would have, should have. There was, I, I think it was Toy Story 3, maybe, where there was a fantasy world where it was like Woody and all the whole gang in the West. Mm -hmm. And it was like, there was a the train. That was two. Stuff like that. That was, was that two. two. <coughs> Why not do a movie like that? They did. Ironically enough, it was Toy Story 3. That talked about Buzz's backstory. Remember the yeah, but remember was... all the other Buzz Light years he saw, and he realized he's not unique. And then Buzz finds out that uh, Zoltron or whatever his name is, is 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 supposed to be his dad. And so you wind up with the the happy Buzz at the end, who is sitting there playing with Zorlock or whatever his name is. And 
Hey, great show, great throw, Dad. And that was all the backstory I needed for Lightyear, okay? <laughs> I don't need Unforgiven with Woody and his pals, all right? And I know that's coming next. It may not now that I've spoiled the, the concept for people, but I guarantee you, some idiot at Pixar, if he ever hears that, like, hey, that's a great idea. <laughs> Pixar is now officially creatively bankrupt. They got nothing left in the tank. If Pixar survives to the end of this decade, it'll be as a zombie. Because they got nothing. I mean, I liked... I liked Soul when it came out because I, I did like the concepts and stuff, but eh, I'm not seeing a lot of excitement coming out of Pixar here lately, and this is not changing my mind on that. It's not just Pixar, it's Disney itself. Disney's just what stuck on doing remakes of And speaking of which, let's crap. talk about these other two so-called trailers. Let's talk about Thor, Love, and Thunder, okay? Yes. This is the next Marvel movie. We'll t and again, we'll talk more about this when we talk about the review, and it's coming for Doctor Strange 2. Oh my god, if... Uh, this... If you had given the concept of Thor, Love, and Thunder to Sam Raimi, instead of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, if Sam Raimi were directing Thor, this Thor, I might be into it, because you're... The trailer shows that the Gal Guardians of the Galaxy are going to be involved somehow. And, of course, they just had to give away the image of Jane Foster holding Mjolnir, okay? Oh, yeah, of course they had to do that. Phase 4 is not over with yet. And, again, spoilers. I'll get into that in a little bit with the review. If I can remember. Because I have not written down any notes. We never write down notes no, on these things, even though we keep threatening we should. Looking at Thor Love and Thunder now, Chris, you, again, you're the movie buff. Excited, what, what would, are you excited about this one? I am excited about this, but only because Tiki Waititi, <laughs> I keep butchering yeah. his name, he's behind this one just like uh, Thor Ragnarok. And I know you like Sam Raimi, but I got, I'm going to, and I'll also save this for the review. I don't think his humor and Tiki's humor, they're, they're totally different. Yes. And honestly, right now, I'm going to have to side with Tiki's humor. Uh, it, I am interested because we're going back to the last time we saw Thor is, yeah, he was hanging out with the Guardians. So it's like, and he gave up his, I don't want to say throne, but him being a leader to Valkyrie. So he's just off doing his own thing. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, with this one, it's just basically him still trying to find himself. Like, where do I belong in this world, you know? And that so, really is a critical failure by the writers. If your character doesn't know where he fits, you're doing it wrong, okay? That is good for a single story, the finding yourself story. And it's one of those tropes that all major heroes wind up going through they lose the plot and they spend a, a, a one-story arc trying to determine who they were or trying to remember who they were or who they're going to be next, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You really shouldn't build a franchise around that concept. So, mm-hmm. If, 
so you're excited to see it. I'm not excited to see it. Disney can do no right with the online nerd community right now. Because there's, there's, they were talking smack about Doctor Strange 2 weeks ago. And the reviews were pouring in on like YouTube and stuff for the past week. We are recording this, by the way, on Saturday, May something or other. <laughs> this first Saturday it was released. I think it's the 7th. 6th, 7th? 7th, I think. Whatever, we're recording it the Saturday, first Saturday Doctor Strange 2 released. And for the past week, I've heard nothing but negativity about this film. There's been a lot of people online trying to bury the film, just like they've done with every other Disney project for the last year. Sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. I'm not going to... I'm trying not to let it sway my opinion of Doctor Strange or of Thor Love and Thunder because Thor Love and Thunder has taken it in the shorts even worse because female Thor and everybody thinks it's a feminist sellout. <sighs> I watched Thor Ragnarok and I gotta admit I liked it more than I thought. It was the only Thor movie I've seen because I don't give a crap about Thor. Thor really should have been that heavy metal guitar rock uh, hero in the Marvel Universe. Because that's, that's who Thor's core audience has always been. Okay, It's always been the heavy metal guys, the god of thunder and all this other stuff. Not the prince of thunder. The god of thunder and all this other stuff. And, and the Dayglow posters and the dorm room and all this other crap. It's always been geared for guys in college, I'll say. So so in averaging out between the two of us, probably a resounding meh about whether to see this or not. So, And that brings us to the least exciting film I, theater I, or film trailer I've seen probably in the last five years would be Avatar 2 Fans Zero. This is <laughs> this is Avatar Waterworld, is what this is. Oh my God! It snorks the movie, is what this. Oh. That was exactly what I thought. Snorks the movie is what this looks like. I mean, they're not yellow. They're they're all still blue, but you know, hold on. Seriously, okay. I have been. This is going to seem to come from nowhere, but I have been an ElfQuest fan for close to 40 years now. And there are, there is a race of elves in the, in the ElfQuest thing. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up, ElfQuest. <clears throat> there is a race of elves called the Wave Rider, or the Wave Dancers. They are essentially water-adapted elves. They're like Atlanta, elves in Atlantis, basically. They can breathe underwater. They they are able to shift themselves to do that, and they they bond with ocean creatures and blah blah blah. That is exactly what I was thinking when I saw this. To the point that I think that <laughs> that I think that uh, Wendy and Richard Penny, the creators of ElfQuest, probably need to consider suing because I'm seeing a lot of similarities between the two. They won't because there wouldn't be enough to actually win a lawsuit, but I would say prop they should probably get some kind of settlement or something in mind. 
uh, I didn't care about the first Avatar, so I don't care about the second Avatar. I don't care about whatever Avatar 1 was about. They didn't kill enough of them, I'll say. So, Avatar 2, unfortunately, now. Avatar 2, Snortville, not for me. You're the movie buff. You're giving me a shocked look. Go right ahead, buddy. Yeah, because what you just said. <laughs> they Especially didn't kill enough Avatar. I guess they're called Avatars. Everybody was always... They're not, uh, I know they're not called... Native Americans. I know they're not called furries. Well, if we're going to talk about the Native American thing, this is, this is like the anti-Aquaman. Okay? Aquaman, remember the Aquaman movie? When it came out, everybody was like, Psh, Aquaman, what the heck? Why would, you pick the, why would you pick white fish from the Super Friends? Okay? And he turns, and that one movie, just like Batman 89 did for Batman, that one movie turned it all around, and now everybody's like, ooh, Aquaman. This is like the exact opposite. This is like the the female Aquaman. This is what would happen if you got Aqua Chick, the movie. This looks pathetic and it looks extremely blue. So, as a red-blooded Republican American, ah, I know I was getting a little queasy by the time it was over and that wasn't just the what I had for lunch. All right, Chris. Uh, I mean... The first one, I liked it all right. I, I don't like the idea of waiting 30 years to see a sequel and then waiting another 30 <laughs> years for a third movie. I mean, I want to be able to live to see a trilogy, not to die before the last one comes out. Well, I'm hoping that every Avatar fan does die before that trilogy is released so it will never be released. I don't need to see this crap cluttering up my multiplex. And you know it's going to clutter it up because Avatar made a kajillion dollars. So this is going to be... How many how many theaters are in 10th frame cinema? There's... there's That's our eight. local. There's eight. How many do you think are going to be showing Avatar 2 Aqua Bitch when it comes out? Probably three. All nine of them. They will build one just so they can keep... <laughs> so they can get an extra showing in. And I hope they do them all in 3D so everybody just vomits all over the floor. It's just... <laughs> I mean, the trailer alone, it was just focusing on the beauty of it. And we yeah. get it. It's, it's nice yeah. to look at. But... No, it's not. These things are hideous. <laughs> the things in the first movie were hideous. I don't get it. Why is everybody saying these things were attractive? These things oh, are disgusting. I didn't say that. I just said that it was... These things, even the in the scenery, first film, was disgusting. If you, want to, if you want to see the scenery, go watch Lord of the Rings again. You can see New Zealand in all its glory, and there are some beautiful shots of New Zealand in Lord of the Rings. There's a reason why New Zealand now has a tourism industry. It's because of Lord of the Rings. Until they shut that down, because they're a bunch of assholes. But anyway... Avatar is against my religion, so I absolutely say nobody who listens to this show is allowed to watch Avatar. <laughs> okay. So, we are now, believe it or not, about 20 minutes into this, into this podcast, and we are just now, boom, reaching the review for Doctor Strange 2, Methods of Madness. All right, Chris, you're the expert. You go first. You want to go first, you want me to go first. 
because I guarantee you there's there's not going to be much of it left by the time I finish reviewing it. Oh, man. Okay. All right. All right, you know what? Let's do this in reverse. Okay, normally we give, we do the score of five. Okay, mm -hmm. we give it a scale of one to five, with five being see it primetime matinee with a date, four being, okay, watch the afternoon matinee, maybe with a date. Third, you'd wait till it goes into the discount. Second, you might rent it from Redbox. One, you might wait for it to show up on television. And zero being not in my grave. So let's go ahead and give it a score. One to five, Chris. What do you think? I give it a four. It's good for a Saturday matinee where we got it reduced price like we did when we watched it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, look. It's not a bad movie. It is no, it's not. It's not nearly as bad as bad as they've been. I haven't even heard online. no bad reviews. I haven't heard nothing. But I, of course, I've been hearing a lot of scuttlebutt. I haven't really been paying attention because I've been trying to stay away from it because I yes. realized if I, the more I hear like Spider Man, I I was like there was all kind of just like oh this happened this happened this happened it's like shut up <laughs> yeah it's like I didn't want that. I went in with this, and here's the thing. I never really cared too much about Doctor Strange in the beginning. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I watched the first Doctor Strange movie, and I was like, eh, it's all right. I still find that now. But I also found myself sitting there like, I can't wait when this movie's over. Mm -hmm. There was so much in this movie that was so corny. They showed the kids way too much that had nothing but corniness in it. I love you, Mommy. I love you too, dear. Like, it was so <laughs> blah. Hey, Chris. That drove me insane. Chris, how many kids do you have? None. Okay, how many kids do I have? You got two. Two full-grown kids. I, I raised them to adult. They managed yeah, they to survive. Act like that. Exactly. I'm a parent. I know what children are like. The writers here, I, I can't, I can't say it's a dead set guarantee surety. I guarantee you, the the people involved with the writing of this had no idea what kids are actually like. They don't have children of their own. See, I mean, I kind of understand why they acted like that because if you remember WandaVision, she was stuck in a TV world where that's how kids acted back then. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, well, not back then, but in television shows like Leave it to Beaver and all that, it was like, oh, you know, all that mushy, mushy, bleh, shit. So I understand how she always sees them like that, but it was just way too much. It was a lot. Honestly, and I was just like, oh, get me away from this. And just, and also the issue of them having problems with Doctor Strange. You're just like all the other Strange. Strange did this. Strange did that. It's like I'm tired of hearing about the evil Doctor Strange. And trust me, they bring it up a lot in this movie to where it's like, how old do we know you're not just like this Doctor Strange? And it's like, oh, come, <laughs> come on. Like, even up to the end when everybody's dead, it's like, well, I don't know. How do we know we can trust you? It's like, okay, just, ooh, like, just shut the right. up and just move on. It's like, come on. You know what? 
I'm making this point about the the alternate alternate Doctor Strange's and how evil and wicked they were and blah blah blah. That is actually a lift from an idea that's actually referred to in this movie. John Krasinski, spoiler alert, plays uh, plays Mr. Fantastic in this film. Okay, yeah. Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four. And, makes cameo. and he, he makes a cameo in there as part of an Illuminati. Patrick Stewart's in there. He makes a cameo as Charles Xavier. They both get their asses handed to him. Okay? Yes, they all do. Okay. A big part of Fantastic Four lore these days is called the Council of Reeds. And, and this is not something that a lot of people outside the comic book fandom really know about, especially if... If all you know is Marvel Studios, you don't know about the Council of Reeds because they've never been able to get off the Doctor Doom kick with the Fantastic Four movies. Okay. The Council of Reeds is Reed Richards from every other dimension in the multiverse. All the fant all the all remember, Reed Richards is the smartest human alive in every universe he's in. Most of them turn out to be if not evil, then just boorish or unfeeling and do things that make perfect logical sense, like a severe autistic would, no matter who it hurts, which means he gets a bad reputation. The Marvel, the Reed Richards we know, this is Marvel Earth 616, they make a reference to that in the movie too. That's the mainstream Marvel. Our Reed Richards, 616 Reed Richards, is the only one who puts his family ahead of his ideas. That would make an awesome Fantastic Four movie. Not so much for Doctor Strange. Okay? Doctor Strange is for... Again, this is where you've got a bunch of writers who don't understand the appeal of the core franchise. Okay? You have to know who your target audience was for your core franchise in order to make a successful movie. Compare Doctor Strange to, say, Spider-Man. Okay? The, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, those, those three, well, the first two Spider-Man movies absolutely rocked and dominated rightfully at the, at the box office. The third one, eh, that's when they started dragging in Venom and stuff, and all of a sudden it lost the plot. So we didn't get a fourth, and Scuttlebutt says we may not get a fourth because apparently Sam Raimi's not hearing anything from Sony about about no four. The uh, but the thing is with uh, with Doctor Strange, Spider Man is more of a populist superhero. Okay, he's an everyman. Right. He he's just an ordinary an ordinary guy who wound up with powers and abilities he didn't understand. And he had to learn the hard way the importance of using them correctly. And now he carries the world on his shoulders, just like an ordinary guy would who has powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Okay? I should have made this comparison between Spider-Man and Superman. But we're talking about Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is not an everyman. Doctor Strange is an extremely educated man. He is a surgeon. Okay? Which means that Dr. Stephen Strange had to not just graduate high school at the top of his class, he had to go to college and he had to graduate at the top of his class. 
and then he had to go to medical school and graduate at the top of his class in order to train in surgery as a resident somewhere and graduate with extremely high marks in order to become the world-class surgeon he was at the beginning of the first Doctor Strange movie. Doctor Strange is, is not a populist hero, okay? Not like Spider-Man is. He does things and gets involved in really weird concepts in the books. At least this is old school. This is what Stan Lee took some of the credit, but honestly it was Steve Ditko who wrote and, and drew the Doctor Strange back in the 60s. Steve Ditko created a character who was highly intelligent and highly intellectual being presented with all these weird, whacked out concepts and having to make sense of them. Eventually, he learns the rules, and the original concept for Doctor Strange was Doctor Strange was kind of like Rod Serling stepping into his Twilight Zone stories and trying to help people escape the fate they were facing. Okay? That's what Doctor Strange originally was. And it, and it really would be like Rod Serling would walk into his Twilight Zone story that he was writing and then try to help them escape what they got into. We have not seen an ounce of that in either of these Doctor Strange movies because we've got far bigger things to do. we got the whole frickin' Marvel Cinematic Universe that has to be hung on this tent, particular tentpole. Mm, if it was... Honest, like I said, honestly, these Doctor Strange movies that I've seen have interesting visuals. So they got that part right down, okay? Comic book artists either love or hate drawing Doctor Strange because you really have to go esoteric and creative in order to show what some of these concepts are. And we'd, we saw the visual things, but we didn't see the intellectual concepts here. So, I th and, and Sam Raimi's going to take the blame for that, but again, it's not. It's the writer. Just like the writer doesn't know how to write children here. And I don't know what the writer's name was. I saw it. I couldn't care less. The writer didn't know how to write children, and he didn't even know how to write Doctor Strange. But he was able to hang enough story beats onto the skeleton of the franchise that they were able to produce a movie. So, that's what I have to say about that. You got anything else on Doctor Strange, Chris? Uh, again, I liked the movie. There was some things that just drug, and that just made me kind of go, eh. I, at, before I saw the movie and I heard that maybe Wanda or Scarlet Witch was going to be the big baddie, mm -hmm. I didn't like the idea, but I got to admit, she's a badass. <laughs> she is. She is horrifying. And I'm like, wow. Well played. Um, there is one thing I need to point out, mm -hmm. and it drives me crazy. There is either a plot hole, or they just haven't discussed it yet. Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. I didn't catch it at first, but in the movie, they're talking to, uh, um, uh, what's her name, America... America Chavez. Yeah. They were talking to her... And she didn't know who Spider-Man was. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because at the end of Spider-Man, spoilers, Doctor Strange wiped everybody's memories. Right. But then I'm like, oh, well, she's also from another dimension. Mm -hmm. But Doctor Strange and Wong 
knew who Spider-Man was. Right. So I'm like, did this take place before Spider-Man? Or... I, I, I just... I'm, this is supposed to have taken place after the Spider-Man No Way Home. Well, see, there's the and, problem then. And part of that, too, is they didn't wipe the... The fact that Spider-Man exists, they wipe the idea that everybody knows he's Peter Parker. Oh. So, don't feel bad. Yeah, don't feel okay. Bad. They oh didn't do okay. a very good job of communicating uh, that either. So, okay. I did not. Okay. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> that does bring up another parallel between this and Fantastic Four, though. Okay. Now, over in Fantastic Four, we've talked about Reed Richards. Reed Richards is useless. Okay. If Reed, Reed Richards is the world's smartest human, but if half the things he came up with ever leaked out into the real world, the world would probably blow up in about 30 seconds, okay? So nothing he does is allowed to go out into the public. So Reed Richards is useless. You've got the thing, Ben Grimm, the big orange rocky guy who can sit there and punch holes in reality. Which I just want to point out, if they did do a Fantastic Four, and I know that the, the director that they have for the movie left the project mm -hmm. Sam Raymond would actually be good to direct oh, he'd be Fantastic. awesome for Fantastic and Four. as for Thane it would be Sam Raimi was Bruce heavily Campbell. influenced by <laughs> Sam, Sam Raimi was heavily influenced by uh, Jack Kirby you can tell yeah. with the shots and stuff so he, he would be in on that in a heartbeat I know they're, they are talking about John Krasinski as being well, John Krasinski is supposed to be one of the producers of the new Fantastic Four and, movie. And, and, you know, there's something else, because, I, and I was shocked about this. I remember seeing him in the suit years ago, <laughs> and I was like... I think that was a screen test or I, something. See, I thought that it was like fan fiction thing, that it's like, oh, if they do a, a Fantastic Four movie, he should play, and that he yeah. had the beard and everything. Yes. And then he appeared in a movie like this, and I'm like, well, wait, was that... Thing or is this or did they listen to the fans and was what, what no John, John Krasinski's always wanted to do Fantastic Four then, so he's yeah. so yeah he's been a fan he's been a Fantastic Four fan for years and get to him so kind of like what uh, what's his face has been doing over on Iron Man for years I can't think he's busy with the Mandalorian right now but uh, oh John, John Favreau. Favreau yeah John Favreau got was a a huge Iron Man fan, he managed to insert himself into it. So, John Krasinski, hopefully, John Krasinski, I think, has a good reputation for some of the things he's done. He's He and his wife have certainly done some very creative yeah. things. I was thinking his wife can play soon. Yeah. Well, that, that gets back to the point. Um, I was talking about Reed Richards, you got the thing, you got the Human Torch, yeah. and everybody thinks that Sue, Sue Storm Richards, Reed's wife, all she can do is turn invisible. Okay? And that's what she was at first back in the 60s in the comic book. She was severely underpowered. And then she was able to project uh, force fields. And suddenly she became the most powerful member of the Fantastic Four. In fact, usually these days, Sue is the one who hauls everybody else's hat, fat out of the fire just by being able to enclose them and pull them out of harm's way. She's the one who can contain a lot of threats. So Sue is actually the most powerful member of the Fantastic Four. The Scarlet Witch, uh, Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch is the most powerful person in the 616 universe. Okay, 
she is right up there with all the pantheons, the cosmic stuff. She could, as we saw in the movie, spoiler alert, she wiped out Captain Marvel. She wiped out Black Bolt by taking his mouth away. I am so happy to see that. <laughs> I do want to talk about this scene, though. The Illuminati, I think they said it was Marvel Universe 838. Okay. Whatever, that doesn't matter. The Illuminati there is made up of, it's basically the What If Universe that showed up on Disney Plus about a year ago. Oh, yeah, okay? I saw a lot of it in there. So you had, uh, you had Charles Xavier being played by Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Stewart. You had uh, Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four played by John Krasinski. But you also had Captain, Captain Carter, the... Uh, yeah, yeah uh, Peggy Carter Pe taking over as Captain Britain or whatever Kaylee from Captain Atwell. America. Right. And, and then you had Black Captain Marvel, which is uh, Monica Rambeau, which is oh, what they were supposed story. to be leading towards with the Captain Marvel movie. Which, honestly, I'm so happy it was her. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just say it. Just and, and we had uh, Mordo there, and he's played by his character, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name. And Black Bolt from the Inhumans. That's your Illuminati. They're in charge of the world. Okay? So you had the Inhumans. You remember the Inhumans movie? Yeah. Did anybody like the Inhumans movie? I liked the concept, but then nobody watched it, so they canceled right. it. Right. So they killed the Inhumans. Okay? Captain Carter, how long? She lasted a little bit longer, but uh, spoiler, she gets cut in half. With her own little, uh, own little uh, shield, okay. Yeah. So there goes Captain Carter. They get, she kills off Black Captain Marvel. It it takes her a while, but she gets it done. And then she kills off Patrick Stewart, and she kills off John Krasinski, and so all these characters that were oh so precious to phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> are lying dead at the feet of Wanda Maximoff. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, are they about to end phase four and maybe move on with this thing? Because phase five is coming. I can't remember where exactly it ends, but I believe Love Thor, Thor Love and Thunder is going to be towards the tail end of this section of it. Please... Please end this stuff. And when I when I saw Captain Carter get killed, I actually applauded a little bit. I actually let out a little squeal of joy just to, <laughs> and clap my hands a couple of times like, woo! And everybody's looking at me like, what the fuck was wrong with you? Oh, man, I'm glad to see that gone. So, I actually liked that part of it. So. Um, the the phase four and stuff like that, I, I see what they're doing because now Wanda is gone mm -hmm. and Thor movie, it's going to be telling his story of where he's going because mm -hmm. he's no part of it no more. Yeah. And we already know that James Gunn is sadly wanting to do his suicide squad with the Guardians of the Galaxy, which pisses me off so much. <laughs> So yeah, they're all that they're all gonna be gone. So it's like yeah, it, it's kind of makes you wonder like, hmm, this is gonna be it's gonna be something. <laughs> yeah, it'll be something, all right. I really don't want him to do that to Garnet. <laughs> I love that. Well, he's James Gunn is going to sit there and he's going to put his 
his old wrapper on it. Remember, Guardians of the Galaxy was like a D-list property when yeah, they but it turned into a and it turned into <laughs> a, a massive success. I remember Rocket Raccoon from the eighties in his book that Neil Adams did. I used to love that. It was kind of a send up of Bucky O'Hare. Well, actually, Bucky O'Hare was a send up of Rocket Raccoon. But uh, but I loved Rocket Raccoon, and and it was nice to see him getting some playback with the with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Anyway, getting distracted here. The uh, I'm trying to think here with the uh, with Doctor Strange. America Chavez is the kind of character who's been, she's been introduced more recently. She was supposed to take over, not as Ms. Marvel. She, Ms. I can't remember America? what America? No, not Ms. America. America Chavez was supposed to take over as basically the, the, the placeholder for some character name that wasn't being used. Ms. Marvel uh, turned out being a different character, and I can't think what her name is, but yeah, she was more Muslim. At first, I actually thought it was Miss Marvel, like, at the beginning, but then, mm -hmm. like, she was speaking Spanish, and I was like, wait, that's yeah. not right. <laughs> so, and, all but, that stuff, but... and we, she has to wear the little, <laughs> I don't want to call it what I want to call it, but she's wearing the little gay pride pin and everything through the whole thing, and she's got two mommies, and they didn't rub your nose in it too much, but can I just say, I'm beginning to get a little tired of all the representation. There is a crowd scene somewhere at the beginning of the movie where Stephen Strange is sitting down, spoiler alert, at the wedding of his girlfriend Christine to another man. You've got your token Indian, as in India Indian. You've got your token black female. You've got token females. You've got token Asians, you've got token black men, all the tokens are represented, okay? Can I just say, I'm getting a little sick and tired of seeing the forced integration everywhere. Can we all just move on from that? Okay. You want to, you, the reason I'm getting sick of it is not because I'm tired of seeing these people, I'm tired, tired of seeing these people tokenized, Okay. Again, we've, we've had this discussion before. If you want representation among these characters and stuff, then come up with characters that represent these things that people actually care about. Don't just force them into something that, where, frankly, nobody cares whether they're there or not. Okay? Just like with Thor, Love and Thunder, they're going to try to put Mjolnir on on Jane Foster, nobody wants that. Yeah, it makes a cool one-time visual, but nobody's going to want to. Nobody's going to want to see a trilogy of movies with a female Thor. I don't even know what they're actually going to. I don't know do if they're going to do it either, but that's what everybody fears right now. It's just like everybody was fearing that the you know there was going to be a female Iron Man. They haven't done that. Riri, yes. And uh, honestly, you know. The, Okay, we're, we're getting distracted again, but that's all right. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. And I think I've brought up this point before. They've done it wrong with Iron Man, and they've done it right with Iron Man. When it comes to female representation, okay? Ron was called Ironheart. It was supposedly this teenage black girl 
who was a super genius when it came to engineering, and she was able to pilot the Iron Man suit after Tony Stark died or something. Forcing her into a position that nobody wanted to see her in. But there's another version. There's one called Rescue. This is where Pepper Potts gets her very own custom-built Iron Man armor from Tony, but all of her capabilities are defensive and rescue-oriented. This way, she can use the Iron Man armor to help people instead of, you know, shooting people in the face with her repulsor rays. She can fly, she can do all this other stuff. That's an interesting take on the Iron Man character. Okay? Because it actually does come from a feminine point of view. Women don't want to... Most women don't want to go in and shoot somebody in the face. No matter how much the feminists in Hollywood scream that they do, they don't. Women, women tend to prefer to take care of people. They prefer people get along. That's And failing to understand that leads to the position where you get characters who, for, through no fault of their own, wind up getting all this backlash because nobody wants to see it. If, if, I want, if I'm buying an Iron Man comic book, I want Tony Stark in the Iron Man armor. Or at least Elon Musk. He's everywhere else anyway. So, I think what it is, is I just wish the media would just shut up about it. Yes. Because if I'm watching a movie and it's in there, I don't think about it. Mm -hmm. But when somebody starts pointing this shit out, <laughs> then it's like, well, now I can't help but notice, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, just, you know... Leave it alone, I guess. Like, oh, it's like they want to make a big deal out of it in social media, and it's like, oh, uh, gay Superman. Uh, uh, Again, this, you know, that forcing, like, forcing the representation. Yeah. If you do it organically with characters created from whole cloth, people will be a lot more accepting of your inclusivity than just making sure Spider Man, uh, Spider Man, make it. Making Superman want somebody to plow a tab in his in his slot, so to speak. Yeah. But anyway, uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about Doctor Strange too. Okay, yes. let's get to the end of this because we're already forty six minutes into this. <laughs> we need to wrap this. All right, we get to the end of it, and spoiler alert: the good guys win. Uh, the Scarlet Witch. Supposedly dead. We don't actually see her die. We just see a, a mountain collapse on top of her. Yeah, with a glow mm -hmm. that happens, which yeah. was like... Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And along the way, she creates the Darkhold. She destroys all the Darkhold books in the multiverse. Basically, she destroyed the Necronomicon in the entire multiverse and took it with her. And, and that was what Doctor Strange had to use in order to put in a Marvel Zombies reference. Did you see that? Mm, oh, yeah. Well, Where he it. resurrected the dead Doctor Strange from another multiverse, and then he uses that to fight Scarlet Witch. But the, uh, the ending of it, I'm hoping this is closure. That's why I was kind of hoping this is closure on Phase 4. Because, like I said, I know we still got the Thor movie to go through. That's definitely phase four. 
but this whole phase four representational thing, I think, is been a bad idea from the beginning. And people were calling it from the beginning, this is not a good idea just to change all the characters because you need you can't afford the actors anymore. I mean it's a bad idea because like the actors that has been doing it has been doing it for like what, twenty, thirty some odd years now? Yeah. And so they're done with it. So all their characters are done. Their story is done. The Russo brothers who did most of the movies, they're not doing them no more. Mm -hmm. So it's like you took out the great talent writing and directing of these movies mm -hmm. along with the stars and it's like you're going with a new phase and it's like uh, you know you, to find that good talent like you did before it's going to be so hard i don't think it's hard you know what it's it's not hard because look disney for a while there disney and marvel before they were bought by disney both of them were not only good at finding talent, but they were good at rehabbing talent. Because remember, before Iron Man, uh, Robert Downey was a, yeah. a, a lush. Okay, Before Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny, Johnny Depp was a, a loser nobody wanted to work with because he was drugged out and wigged out. Nobody wanted to deal with him. Well, I mean, yeah, true. But all those people are now gone. Yeah, all those people are gone. But... If you've got the right leadership in charge, you can you can discover new talent. You need to constantly work on developing new talent because eventually you're not going to be able to afford the old talent. Okay? Well, I, and then that, that's not only by, by discovering and developing your own new talent that helps keep your costs down. So you're not having to spend $200 million to produce a movie that only makes $10 million at the box office. It's just the person that picks that new talent. Right. And That's I know, a failure of leadership. And I know Kevin Feige's doing good, but, and I mean... Kevin Feige, uh, I mean... You, I mean phase you, 4 uh, is his... Was it, wasn't uh, Phase 4 his idea? Yeah. But, so, I mean, um, like, again, to find that good talent, and so far, I mean, with... Spider-Man did a good job, mm -hmm. but I think the only reason why it did a good job it's because you brought all the multiverse characters in, and that's what made it good. Yeah. And you told it well. But, it's like, uh, what was that? Not Inhumans, but the one that I... The Eternals? Eternals. That blew garbage. Yeah. That uh, was a dumpster fire from start to finish. Yeah, and it's like you're getting to that point where you're just like... Okay, you're kind of slipping off your cheese. Like the cheese is slipping off the cracker just a little bit. You know, you need to you need to pull that cheese a little you're, bit back. You're up. being you're being generous. I say the cheese the cheese and the cracker has fallen onto the floor, and there have been rabid rats munching on the cheese already. And you're trying to put it back together, and there's like little hairs and roach droppings and stuff oh, on God. it. And forget violating the five second rule. It's like been fifteen oh, minutes oh, since oh. you've been since you picked it up, but uh, eh. all right. So by and large, you gave this uh, a four at the yeah. beginning. It's a good movie. I honestly just probably would not watch it again. Of course, then again, mm. the first Doctor Strange movie, I felt the same way, and I have not watched Doctor Strange, the first Doctor Strange. Since then. 
You know what? If I agree with you, I would give this one a four. I think this is worth the discount matinee, but watch it first run. I think it's interesting. I can how we've been saying all week how Sam Raimi can you get? Because every oh, single yeah, trick. <laughs> yeah, you said this is this is like Sam Raimi vomit all over the movie. And you can see Army of Darkness call-outs. Of course, Bruce Campbell has to show up. And I love the way that Sam screws with him in every single movie. <laughs> I think he, I think Sam, I think Bruce Campbell got over in the first Spider-Man movie, and he's just been taking it. I like literally the, on the chin ever since. I but. like how at the at the the end credit scene, when like. <laughs> Bruce Campbell literally looks right at the camera and says, It's over! And then everybody's and then the like, What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or and, and a lot of them was laughing. They were yeah, like, <laughs> The best part <laughs> is they immediately cut to black and that was the end of the film. So, yeah, that, yeah it's over. It's a, he, I think Bruce Campbell saying for speaking for a lot of the fans there it's who like have screen. to sit there. No, I think he's. I think he did a reference to uh, having to sit there through these endless credits and stuff yeah. just so you can see what that last little scene is. And, and Bruce Campbell saying, it's over. That means finally the credits are over. The end, end scene is over. You can go home now. I can go home now. It's over. Plus, of course, he's been punching himself in the face for the last three weeks, nice. supposedly, according to Doctor Strange. Spoiler alert. So, yeah. so final, final thoughts on this, Chris. I mean, it was an entertaining movie. It went exactly kind of the way I thought it would actually go. Yeah. Because I was telling my friends at work and stuff like that, like, I've already watched What If. Mm -hmm. And from the trailers of the movie, it was giving me a lot of What If vibes because yes. of what happens in it. Yeah. So, I was right. To be honest, I was right. I mean, it I was see, total what if. I did see that, uh, I can't remember which one, but one of the writers from the What If series, he said that if he had known how important it was going to be going forward, the rules of the multiverse, he would not have written the rules of the multiverse the way he did. Oh! Because it, what he was saying is that when he set it up, the idea was to do What If. What If was going to be the multiverse concept yeah. series. And then the guys in charge loved it so much they started developing other things out of it. So he, what this writer said was that the the rules are too restrictive. There, it 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 keeps you from actually telling an effective story because you're too busy worrying about the the laws of physics and and sorcery and yeah, all this other true. crap. There's too many rules to. If you're going to be a hero, a hero walks into a situation, knows what to do, and does it. With what What If did was it introduced the concept, everything is uncertain, anything you do is going to butterfly effect an, an entire universe into the, into the ether. We saw that call out when, in one episode of What If, when Doctor Strange destroys his entire universe that he was in. Yeah. And we see the callback to that in this one. In this movie, yeah, that's, it's, he just made. He said it was. He just made it way too easy for people to over exaggerate the bad effects. A hero's got to do what a hero's got to do. I mean, that's the thing about when you. It's difficult to do, you know, when it comes to, or any type of story when it comes to deal with multiverse and time travel. 
-hmm. because it's like you gotta like think this way this way or this way what would happen if this happened and all that stuff so yeah i mean i'm so glad i guess that's why i never really got into dr strange because mm -hmm. i knew that's what it was about mm -hmm. and i knew that stuff will confuse me unless you tell it kind of straight out yeah. it's kind of like christopher nolan movies and mm -hmm. the, and tenet and and yes. interstellar and stuff like that it's like you gotta watch those movies like three times to understand they're, what the hell was going on their target audience was the college crowd and when you try to go populist with that it it does it never works out very well because you either overestimate your audience your audience's sophistication to handle these issues or you un severely underestimate and that's what the writer for what if was complaining about yeah. they underestimated the potential of the concept so and then they they pretty much handcuffed themselves so final the final final word you give it you give i give it a four it's good to see i liked it just yeah. for me i would give it a four i would probably see this once more just so i could pick up all the references i missed the first time I would probably see the first, I think I've seen the first Doctor Strange movie twice. Once in the theater and once on Disney+. Plus. Would I watch it again? I would probably, I probably would, but it would be, there were certain parts I would skip over. And with this one, if I were to have this on Disney+, Plus, there are certain parts I'd probably skip over. Yeah. Like a lot of the stuff with the kids, like you said. You can tell these people don't know. It's it's tell. like it's it's those moments that just seems to drag on so much to where you're just like oh, I'm done with this stop. <laughs> you know, it's like you get it, you know what her what she's wanting to do, but to keep bringing it back and showing like what she sees in her head, yeah, and it's like okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> like, we don't need to be told this no more. Yeah, let's let's not tell this no more. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. So, the, the ultimate Mother's Day movie, Doctor Strange. Oh, my goodness. Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Boom. I blow I your mind again. about that. Good job, Marvel. So, That's so, how it came out this week. <laughs> so, yes. Happy Mother's Day to anybody who hears this before Mother's Day 2022. For those of you who yes. don't, well, happy Mother's Day whenever, whenever you're listening to it. So, until next time, Spike. Chris and the show was geeking out. We'll see y'all down the road. Ta.